Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is Editorial Director Tracy Belt to talk about the powerhouse real estate speakers we had at HousingWire Annual last week and what we learned from them about thriving in this down market. First, though, here's a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO. In collaboration with their broker partners, they designed PowerPlus, a next-generation broker technology platform that offers a fast, intuitive interface with features and functionalities to empower a best-in-class lending experience. With an enhanced guided workflow, the loan process is more efficient, accurate, manageable, and convenient. The platform speeds up the process at every step, minimizing the time brokers spend on the platform. At PennyMac, being tech-forward and human-focused is why greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Tracy, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to have you. We had so much fun last week. Last week, we were in Scottsdale, Arizona at HousingWire Annual. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot of fun. And um, it, as part of our overall plan with HousingWire Annual, we're bringing more real estate into the programming. So we had some really fun guests and um, a really fun panel that I moderated. And I thought that overall, we had some just high quality speakers. So it was really a fun event. I love that. That's what I was going to bring up is that that whole idea of all things housing is why we had a mix of, you know, mortgage, real estate, appraisal, title, and all those people together. And one of the things I heard from people was how great that was, because um, there's lots of great events, including Gathering of Eagles, which is really focused on um, real estate. But there are lots of events focused on different parts of the ecosystem. But bringing people all together, we felt like there was a lot of really great synergy and you could feel it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk. um, We've got lots to talk about, but I wanted to talk a little bit about that panel because you had absolute rock stars on here. Everybody on this panel could have been a keynote speaker. So you had Mark King, the president of Keller Williams. You had Nick Bailey, the president and CEO of Remax. And you had Josh Harley, the founder and CEO of Fathom Holdings. Like either one, any of those guys could have taken the stage. And it was so great to me that they, you know, came on as a panel to talk about the Amazon of real estate with you. Yeah, it was. And, um, you know, that was the first time Josh, um, Harley of Fathom had met Nick or Mark. Um, Nick and Mark have been on other panels together. Um, and it was just a really fun uh, fun panel. They they definitely have differing views on running their companies, but they were, you know, they have one thing that they all agree on, and that is they believe in the real estate agent and they want to protect and serve the real estate agent. Um, and the but they had fun doing it. So we we had a lot of laughs and um, a lot of funny comments, uh, despite the competition between the three of them. It, that's what really came through is like you, you, 
know that these guys are fierce competitors, but they seem to have a respect for each other and they just had fun. Like they made me laugh a lot. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> me not too. That. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about, you know, what you were asking them about, which was building the Amazon of real estate. Does that mean like, okay, well, does that mean looking for the next disruptor or like how there's how they're, uh, you know, setting up their businesses to be the the overall leader? Like, tell me what that looked like. So, you know, when we talk about the Amazon of real estate, that's the the whole idea was to be a little provocative with that and discuss how these real estate companies are doing a whole lot more than real estate with margin compression. They're getting into a lot of different services from mortgage and title. But the truth is um, the Amazon of nobody really wants to be the Amazon of real estate. There is a very personal relational component to real estate that Amazon does not have. And there is, there's no way that anybody's going to go to a site and click on a house and and buy it um, without having someone advise them. And so when they were, they were really talking about the Amazon of real estate, they all said, we don't want to be the Amazon of real estate. That isn't what we're, our plan is at all. Um, you know, our plan is, you know, they said, of course, the Amazon experience, you have the ease of use, the tracking your package, blah, blah, blah. But the truth is that, like I said, it's about relationships. It's real estate is local. Real estate is about relationships. Um, we talked a lot about technology too. And, um, you know, it was interesting because I was talking to an attendee and he said, well, I mean, real estate agents, the main reason they join a brokerage is because of their technology platform. And I really have to argue with that. And I think all these leaders would say the same, that yes, you have to have one and it has to be good. Um, It's table stakes, but are they joining your brokerage because of it? Not really. Maybe in the past, before everyone was really building uh, a tech platform, when you had a specific you know, advantage over your competitors, but now everyone has a platform. And so it's a matter of, to me, joining cult- the cultural fit and joining the local fit, because again, everything is local in real estate. It's a great point. Um, and I think that one of the things that was really fun about the panel and one of the things that you're kind of an expert on because you're always, you, you have your own podcast, The Real Trending Podcast. You talk to mm-hmm. um, brokerages and brokerage owners all the time. And so it's really about like, how do each of them see that like they're, the way that they're doing business is going to be the one that wins in the end or, or the one that serves a customer right now, right? Like how would you, how would you describe each of those three different models? Well, um, I mean, Fathom and Remax both have a 100% commission model, meaning 100% of the commission goes to the agent, but the agent pays a transaction fee or a desk fee or a technology fee or want, you know, all three of those fees. Um, and then Keller is more of a, a split model where they, they have a split with their, with their, um, agents where they the agent might get 80% of the commission and the the company gets 20% or you know depending on what the split is and that that does differentiate them in a way but Remax even though they have a similar model to Fathom is a very very different company culturally Remax tends to hire not necessarily top producers but experienced agents so their per agent productivity as we look at our rankings is always one of the highest 
Um, Fathom Realty tends to attract a different type of agent because they focus a lot on lead generation for the agent. Um, so there's, and they all have very different views on the technology that they offer. Um, for example, Remax was, they had purchased several technology companies and they did several acquisitions and one of them was Bouge, and they have recently decided to move away from that and go to a third party. Now they're still using some in-house technology, but they're using a third party. And, and the reason that Nick Bailey says they're doing that is that they are building a brokerage company, not a technology company. And if you look at Wall Street, Wall Street would agree with that. If you look at the stock prices right now of, of companies such as Compass and Redfin that kind of build themselves as technology companies, Wall Street caught on that, oh, wait a second, uh, these companies are susceptible to market swings just like any other real estate brokerage. So maybe they're not technology companies. Keller Williams, they want to keep their technology in-house because they said that um, it's all about the data and controlling that data, which um, they feel like if they're looking at a third, they don't want the third party to have that data. They want to keep that in-house and protect the agent by doing that because the, the agent ultimately will take their CRM with them wherever they go. Um, and in the past, and I'm, I'm pretty sure they still do, Keller Williams has an agreement with the agent that any of the data they enter into their their CRM or their database belongs to them and they can they can remove it and take it. Fathom is licensing out their technology to smaller brokers. So you don't have to be with Fathom to use some of their lead generation and, and technology. And they have an in-house platform as well that um, Josh Harley built from the ground up. He did use another third-party vendor at first. But in order to get that competitive advantage, which for him was um, he's taking less from the agents um, with being a flat fee company. So he didn't want the additional cost of technology for each agent by going with a third party. You're going to pay by the number of agents you have by going in-house. You get the benefit of that technology becoming, you know, it's never going to be free but you can scale it a lot easier for a lot less money. So it's really interesting how they all um, kind of work their brokerages. And the beauty of it is they all work. They're all in the top 500 real estate brokerages in the country consistently year after year. They're, they're all growing. And um, it just shows you how many different ways there are to do business out there. I love that because, um, you know, not everybody wants the same structure or not everybody, you know... It, it only is good for the industry and for consumers if there's a range of ways that we can do this, right? So I think that's the other thing. I was really struck by um, what you said about tech companies. They, it, it was the fashion and is still in some places, but especially like five years ago to be like, oh, we're not a, we're not a this, we're a realist, we're, we're a data company that does real estate. We're a data company that does, you know, happens to offer mortgage or whatever. And and they were all like, we are real estate companies because they feel like that's the differentiator is their knowledge and expertise in real estate. And and that, to your point that a data, you know, um, not a data company, you know what I mean? Like a, a, a tech company coming in, 
that actually they're at the disadvantage. So that's why they were like, no, we're not the Amazon. Of, we're, we're not a tech company in the real estate space. We're real estate companies that, that use tech. And I thought it was a very good distinction. Yeah. Uh, well, that was a really fun panel. We also had Ryan Sirhant. Do I say that right? Or is it Sirhant? I can never remember. We had Ryan come in. He was our very first headliner, our first keynote speaker when we started events. And I was so glad to have him back this time. And, you know, he does something different. It's not, I know if people have heard him before, they're like, oh, whatever. It's like, no, no, no. Every time is different. And wow, does he deliver. And I think the thing that he was so good at is just really inspiring people to be like, think outside the box, push yourself. Um, there's, there's opportunity in this market if, if you can find it. I mean, I mean, it's there to be found. Yeah. And it's all, and again, it's all about the relationships and starting the conversation. He talked about one lead that called him and wanted a rental. And he, I think um, he basically he's like, okay, well, it's not really what I want to do, but I'm going to call this guy back and I'm going to talk to him about why do you want to rent? And they had a conversation. This was in New York City. And he said, Ryan told the guy, well, what, what about Florida? You know, what about maybe buying in Florida based on some of the comments that this um, potential buyer talked about? And he gave him a budget. I can't remember the budget, but I want to say it was like 20 million or something. Yep. And the guy ended up buying over a hundred million dollar home. And then two more after that, all in Palm Beach, uh, Florida. So it was really about having those conversations and asking the asking questions, asking the right questions to discover where the opportunity might be. Um, and not being not being above taking on a rental. He basically said, if this was going to be a rental, it was going to be a rental and I was going to take it on. Um, that there's opportunity in some of these smaller transactions because you don't really know who's on the other side all the time um, until you really get into the relationship with them. And um, especially in this market, you want to take advantage of every opportunity that you possibly can, um, the, the education that you can um, to, to really get the business um, and grow your business. This is what stood out to me is is not just the hustle, but the like, okay. I mean, as he was describing, he's like, oh, okay, I guess I'm back in the rental world now. I mean, that's how he started out, right? Was renting apartments yes. in New York City. And so to think that someone's like, hey, let me call him and um, and that he's actually going to be the one that calls you back and meets you to look at rentals. I was like, Wow. I mean, it's not like he's some no-name guy. And this was not someone he had worked with before. So he didn't know, you know, the whole thing was like, oh, okay, of course this guy ends up buying $100 million. He had no idea that that was, you know, this wasn't someone he'd worked with before. And so how impressive it was to me is that just like Ryan is going to do the work. And even if that just lent to a rental, that that's worth it to him. He was serving that guy. And he also, the relationship that he built with him, he thought at that point it could lead to something else. He had no idea it would lead to this. And I just, I just think that that's the nature of real estate, especially like you have the opportunity to really to get to know these people and solve their problem. And that was the thing. Like, so he, he started looking at rentals in New York City and ended up buying multiple properties over a hundred million dollars in Florida. Right. And, you know, Ryan, Ryan wasn't even an expert in Florida. So he had to like cram and do all the stuff and get, I mean, it's just, it was a great story, but the, what's behind the story is the same Ryan that I saw when he started with us. And, and when he started way back when, which is he is going to do whatever needs to be done to get the deal done. Yep. 
Absolutely. That's good for the consumer. I don't I don't mm-hmm. mean that in a way that like he's gonna, you know, do something right. bad. He's going to do what serves the consumer, even mm-hmm. if that's not what he would, you know, that you would even think of for him. Like I would never call Ryan's around and be like, Yeah, let's go look at rentals. Yeah. <laughs> I would never do that. Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I, I think I think he, you know, he was such a great speaker and, um, you know, people had lots of good things to say about that. But I think he reflected some of the other panels that we had, speakers that we had, they were like, yeah, this is a down market and this is going to really sort out the people. And you want to be on the side of who's being sorted because you're working really hard and you're really focusing on relationships. And whether that was the real estate people, the mortgage people, the title, the appraisal relationships are key right now. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, and really just because he's in real estate doesn't mean he doesn't have lessons to, um, teach for all the different real estate industry professions out there. And, um, I heard a lot of chatter about his session afterward. Um, I think it really excited people about the opportunities that are available. And that was really the theme of our invite only um, C-level Vanguard forum as well, was kind of capturing those opportunities and growing your business in in any type of market, but especially now. Especially now. So you had, um, we had a power lunch with Spencer Raskoff. Let's talk about that a little bit. So, of course, Spencer is is famous for being one of the uh, people who founded Zillow, who co-founded Zillow, but he's done a ton of other stuff since then. And so just let it, you know, talking to him and kind of seeing how his brain works and what the opportunities he's looking for in prop tech. I thought that was a really interesting session as well. Yeah, I mean, he he really kind of went through the history of prop tech and where we are now um, and you know, the questions from the audience were really interesting because I think there were a couple that uh, people really thought were good opportunities that he thought, well, I don't, I don't think I would invest in that right now. And his, his company, 75 and Sunny, um, is a venture fund that I think he said he invests in over a hundred different e-commerce and prop tech companies, among others. I think 25% of his portfolio is with prop tech. And he also founded Picasso, which is a, is a different concept. Um, people think of it as timeshare, but it really is not a timeshare concept. It's a, it's a fractionalized ownership concept to allow people who might not be able to buy a luxury home to have an ownership stake in one. And I just think it's a fascinating concept and it's growing really quickly. It was great to have him again. Like um, he came in and did a power lunch. He could have been our headliner. I mean, I, I think that's what was so striking about some of our speakers is that I just it's it's a real generosity on their part to, you know, to talk to our audience in a way that like, you know, how come they're not the headliner? But like he did a great job, super informative session. And it's so fun to get to pick someone's brain who's so smart and is doing all of those things, like you mentioned. I mean, the, the number of companies that he's invested in and, and the number of things that j- just his expertise on that. Prop tech, of course, is super interesting to us. <laughs> all sorts of prop tech and um, and seeing what the future what the future is. Was there another session at the uh, ev- event that you wanted to talk about? You know, as part of the Vanguard, I thought the uh, Gina Blafari, the CEO of Home Services of America, and um, Tom Ferry, the coach extraordinaire. Um, Tom is Gino's coach, I guess you could say that loosely. They have a weekly call together. 
And um, they hold each other accountable in a lot of different ways. And it was a really fun session. Um, Gino, he implements the four disciplines of execution. And it's about, um, you know, monitoring and, and scoreboarding your accomplishments, having accountability partners. And he's uh, the only one that I actually know of, and I'm sure there are others out there, but the only one that I know of who really follows that closely and implements it. And Tom is the one that kind of prompts him to keep him um, on track with it. And it's, it's really a great, uh, you know, Gino, again, relationships um, calls all of his, all of his CEOs, all of his senior management um, every week and gets to know them on a personal level, visits those offices consistently and really um, knows how to build a relationship, but at the same time, hold people accountable to their, their goals and their, their wigs, which is the wildly important goal. They were so fun to have on stage together. They were making me laugh as well. And just two powerhouses, right? Like I, the audience was like, could not get enough of them. And afterwards, I know that they were super popular as well. So, so fun to have them again, generous. And I think people who've been, you know, the expertise that they've had, the experience they've had another, you know, two other people who've been doing this for a while and are not scared by the current market. They take it seriously, but they're not like, you know, go out and sell everything and, you know, bunker mentality or whatever. They're really talking about how what you do right now is going to mean the success or failure going forward. And there is, there's a lot you can do right now to your point. Some of the things that they talked about. Yeah, and um, we had a couple other speakers, uh, Laura O'Connor with JPAR Real Estate, and she's the um, president of franchising, and then Rick Haas, president of United Real Estate. United Real Estate is very active in M&A right now, and they will continue to to buy companies and expand their footprint. Also, Laura... Um, she is very active in, in the franchising and has big goals and has already, you know, started to make those goals uh, real. And so, you know, they were all very positive about the market and the opportunities that are out there. And they're all really taking advantage of what they could possibly do to grow and to thrive. And it's so nice to hear that positivity and not the doom and gloom um, because there, there are a lot of opportunities. No, it's true. And I think that, you know, we know a lot of people who made their career uh, in, in 2008, 2007, 2008, 2009, super hard times for mortgage and real estate, right? And But we know that there are some people, that's when they launched their career. That's when they, you know, set themselves up for, you know, later success. Not that they, you know, they did well at the time, but like, obviously it, it was a really hard market. So like, but what they did then, and we've interviewed some of those when we had the the downturn um, because of COVID, we did a whole series on real estate uh, folks that was like, how did you, how did you get through the last downturn? And of course, COVID ended up being very um, short, uh, not to say it wasn't painful there for a couple of months, but in, in the long, in the bigger picture, a, a very short recession. And then of course, rebounded into the wildest market that we might ever see yes, <laughs> right? Absolutely. in 2020 and 2021. And now, you know, obviously there's the hangover effect in 2022 for a lot of reasons. We could talk about mortgage rate lockdown and all that. But again, that expertise of people who have been there, done that, what we see consistently is those people, they're serious and they're, you know, they're belt tightening and they're doing a lot of things. 
but they're also optimistic and they are hungry and they are out there doing it. So I think that that was a like you said, just really fun and very inspiring. The whole thing was like, I came out of all those sessions being like, we're going to kill this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like that was the whole theme of, of everyone who spoke at the conference. I felt like it was a very positive environment with a lot of people who are chomping at the bit to take advantage of this market and succeed beyond their wildest dreams. And, you know, when we invite people, we don't tell them what, I mean, we might uh, have developed the topic and let them know, but like, it wasn't like any sort of coordinated effort on our part to be like, hey, we'd really like this to be a an inspiring conference where you're more positive. No, I mean, they could get up there and be like, you know, the sky is falling. I and mean, we've been at some of those conferences. And so uh, I think it was telling that that was the, that was the overall theme. We're going to have, I know people listening, it's like, great. You know, I, I didn't get to go, uh, though we did have, you know, lots of great people there. We will have these on demand for our HW Plus members. And so that's the people who have subscribed to Housing Wire. So um, in the next uh, week or so, we'll have some of those up and you can listen to them. You didn't have to go, but um, you do have to be a member. So encourage everyone to do that. That's how you get all of our best content anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think that the panel with Mark King, Nick Bailey, and Josh Harley is worth the price of admission. You'll laugh and you'll learn a lot. Absolutely. Much less some of the other ones too. Well, Tracy, thanks so much for being on and uh, we will talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer form digital content, the Housing Wire magazine, member exclusive rates to in-person events like Housing Wire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.